The Latest Guidance on Pneumococcal Vaccinations, a conversation with Deborah Wright. Good afternoon, and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19-related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who is interested to attend. Today, we will be talking about the latest guidance on pneumococcal vaccinations. My name is Kathy Caudill. I'm a communication specialist with Quality Insights, and now I'd like to introduce our guest today, Deborah Wright. Deborah is a quality improvement specialist at Quality Insights. She recently joined our team after being in the long-term care industry for more than 30 years. She has a wealth of experience in long-term care nursing and management, ranging from certified nursing assistant to vice president of healthcare operations. She is most passionate when working with the MDS process and quality improvement. Deborah, welcome, and thank you for joining us today to talk about pneumococcal vaccinations. Thanks, Kathy. I'm happy to be here. So to get started, um, what is PCV15 and PCV20? Yeah, so, you know, the last couple of years, we've spent all this time focusing on COVID vaccinations and COVID boosters that um, we kind of have missed the fact that CDC has updated their recommendations for the pneumococcal vaccines. So recently, CDC has added these two vaccines to our options for pneumococcal vaccines. In the past, we've assessed our residents' vaccination history by looking at whether they received the Pneumo 23 vaccine or the Prevnar 13 vaccine. In most cases, by the time the resident would reach the nursing home setting, we would just need to look to make sure that they received both. And if not, we would administer um, whichever one they needed, ensuring that at least one year had passed since the most recent one was administered. So let's, let's take a look at the, the types of pneumococcal vaccinations that are now available and when our residents would be eligible to receive them. First, we have the pneumococcal conjugate vaccines, which are known as the Prevnar 13, 15, and 20. Unless a resident has already received the, new, the Prevnar 13, nursing facilities really should no longer be administering this vaccine because there are now more appropriate ones available. The Prevnar 15 and 20 are pretty much interchangeable at this point. Um, it's just a matter of, can we stop at one or do we need to continue to do, to do more vaccinations? So if a resident has had no history of receiving a pneumococcal vaccine, then the best option would be to administer the Prevnar 20 as there's no further follow-up that would be needed after that. However, if, if in working with your pharmacies and, and your medical directors, if you choose to administer the Prevnar 15, then you would just need to follow up with a Pneumo 23 after one year. Both the Prevnar 15 and 20 can be administered to anyone 65 years of age of older or anyone 19 to 64 years old with certain medical conditions or risk factors. And just to read right from CDC, um, some of these conditions include alcoholism, smoking, chronic heart, liver, lung disease, renal failure, nephrotic disease, um, presence of a cochlear implant, immunodeficiencies, diabetes, HIV, Hodgkin's disease, leukemia, lymphoma, um, multiple myeloma, sickle cell, or history of organ transplants. 
So it, you know, in most cases, if your pharmacy has it and your medical director is, is in agreement, the best, the best option, if, if your residents have no history of a pneumococcal um, history would be to give the Prevnar 20, because then it's kind of a, a one and done shop. Then more common to us is the pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine or the pneumo 23 vaccine. And again, this can be given to our residents 65 years of age of older or anyone ages 19 to 64 with those certain medical conditions or risk factors one year after receiving the Prevnar 15 vaccine. Um, keep in mind, though, you know, with any vaccine and any medication, you do need the physician's order to administer that vaccine. In addition to the physician order, are there any other things that the facility needs to have before administering the vaccination? Yeah. So just like when you go to your physician's offices, you know, prior to getting um, a vaccine, the, they give you a fact sheet with the risk and benefits. As a facility, you would need to do the same thing. So you would go to the CDC website and pull off the most current fact sheet for the vaccine that you'd be giving and that review that with your resident and or the responsible party um, to ensure that they understand the risk and benefits of the vaccine that you're offering them. Also, um, per our federal regulations, the facility has to have the resident's consent. So most facilities already have standard consent forms that they utilize explaining the vaccination type, the risks, the benefits. Um, some even put a spot that addressing that they have um, given the CDC fact sheet so that you have proof that you've done that, that risk and benefit um, conversation with the resident or the responsible party. And then there's usually a spot then for the alert and oriented resident to sign or the re representative if the resident's not capable to make their own decisions. How would a facility know what type of pneumococcal vaccine is due to be given? Yep. So great question, Kathy. I mean, the, the first thing is, you know, we want to make sure we're looking at the resident's history, whether it's looking into um, electronic medical records from the transferring agency, reaching out to their prime, their previous primary care provider, talking to the resident or the family to see what have they already um, received. And then from there, we can decide what are they eligible for. So one thing that um, Quality Insights has done is we've created a decision tree that Kathy's going to put up on the screen here for everybody to see that kind of can walk you through what would be due. So the dark blue is where they're at now. So if they're, you have the age group, no risk factors, no history of vaccination, then they would be due for the Prevnar 20. Or they would be due for one dose of the Prevnar 15, followed by one year later, a dose of the Pneumo 23. If you have somebody that falls into the age category and they've received the pneumo 23, then you would wait at least a year. And then you have your choice between your medical director and your primary care physician and the resident. Do they want the, the Prevnar 15 or the Prevnar 20? And a lot of that's going to go back to your facility policies that you develop with your medical director um, in regards to what they prefer and also what your pharmacy is able to obtain.
Like most facilities, you know, over the last couple of years, we've been making sure that our residents have had the Pneumo 23 and the, the Prevnar 13 when they become eligible. So if you're a facility that has been doing that and you're up to date with both the Prevnar 13 and the Pneumo 23, then really you don't need to do anything as long as they have had both of those vaccines, then at this time they are considered up to date. If they were under 65 and had a history of the Prevnar 13 and they had the Pneumo 23 a year later, they would still be eligible for an additional Pneumo 23 five years after their most recent vaccination. So that's kind of how you can look through and use this this chart as a quick guide also at the the bottom of the screen and I'm not sure Kathy if you can put that um, link in the chat or not but that will give a much more detailed um, chart view from the CDC of how they how they explain what doses do and and when it's due. So I think what what we're going to try to do um, this is new for us so we are we have a couple case studies. And we want to go through those case studies and see if you can answer what vaccine the resident would be due for. So, Kathy, if you can put the first question up. Okay. Oh, perfect. Can you see that first question? Yep. So, Great. Jane is a healthy 65-year-old that has no known vaccination history. She's requesting a pneumococcal vaccine. Is she eligible? And just because we are recording these for um, a podcast that can be viewed later, I am going to read them as you are reading them and making your selections. So yes, she's eligible for the Pneumo 23, followed by the Prevnar 15 in one year. B, yes, she's eligible for the Prevnar 15, followed by Pneumo 23 in one year. Yes, she's eligible for the Prevnar 20. Yes, both B and C, and no, Jane is not eligible. All right, I'm going to end the poll, and we're going to see what our results are. So most people said D. And that is correct. The answer is D. Jane would be eligible for either the Prevnar 20 or the Prevnar 15, followed by Pneumo 23 in one year. Great job. So let's go to question two. So Sam is a 70-year-old with a history of chronic renal failure. At age 65, he received the Prevnar 15 vaccination. Is Sam eligible for an additional pneumococcal vaccination? A, yes, eligible for Prevnar 20. B, yes, eligible for a repeat Prevnar 15. C, yes, eligible for Pneumo 23. D, no, Sam is not eligible. Most people said C. And that is correct. So since Sam received the Prevnar 15 and at least one year has passed, he would be eligible for the Pneumo 23. So I see that some people um, said that they, he would be eligible for the Prevnar 20 and the 15 once you've received um, the Prevnar 15, there's really no more Prevnars to give beyond that. So since he was age 65, he received the Prevnar, you would wait a year and then give the Pneumo 23. So we'll go to the third question. 
So Tom is a 55-year-old with diabetes. His physician is recommending a pneumococcal vaccine. Which vaccine would Tom be eligible for? A, eligible for Prevnar 15, followed by Pneumo 23 in one year. B, eligible for Pneumo 23, followed by Prevnar 15 in one year. C, eligible for Prevnar 20. D, eligible for Pneumo 23, followed by Prevnar 20 in one year. Both A and C are correct, and both B and D are correct. All right. It's a bit more mixed. Most people said E, and then the next most popular one was C. Yes. So the answer is E. Both A and C are correct. So Tom would be eligible for either the Prevnar 20 because he's 55, but he has an underlying medical condition or the Prevnar 50 followed by the Pneumo 23 in one year. So just keep in mind that um, Prevnar 15 and 20 are kind of interchangeable. The only difference is if you do choose to give the Prevnar 15, you would follow that one year later by the Pneumo 23. So it's, you know, it is pretty simple if you follow this decision tree or the link for the CDC to identify which pneumococcal vaccine your resident is eligible for. If you'd like a copy of this decision tree, um, please feel free to email me and we will see that you receive that. If you want to contact Deborah directly, you can reach her at 1-800-642-8686 at extension 7636. And you can email her at dwright at qualityinsights.org. That's D-W-R-I-G-H-T at qualityinsights.org. And you can check out our other interviews by visiting qualityinsights.org slash QIN slash multimedia. Deborah, thank you for joining us today.